album that you would say, oh, that, why did you pick that? I don't even know. I, I can't think of a bad album in this moment because I like every album. I'm a fan of everything, Wyatt. See, I feel like that's the safe political answer, but the minute that you stop recording, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, if you tried to do it with the Fushnickens album, I'd have hung up on this call. <laughs> I would be into a Fushnickens movie. I mean, get the rhythm to direct it. You know, it, it could be a whole rebirth of the kung fu Welcome to the Almanac of Rap, a show for people who get to the theater early for the trailers and stick around to see if there's a post credit scene. My name is Don Will. I'm a rapper, producer, DJ, quasi-comedian, and your host for the series. Today's episode is all about rapsploitation films and their soundtracks, and I'll be talking to Wyatt Cenac about a few of his favorites. Wyatt is an Emmy Award-winning comedian, actor, producer, and writer, and together we host a blaxploitation film series called Shouting at the Screen. He's not really on social media these days, but you can find out more about what he's been up to over at wyattsenac.com. Alright, you ready? Well, let's kick the ballistics. Rapsploitation is a genre of film that highlights and exploits hip-hop culture. As the culture becomes more ubiquitous, the definitions surrounding what a rapsploitation film is become even looser, but there are still a few constants that firmly cement a film to the genre. For instance, the lead actors are rappers. There is a soundtrack by said rapper slash actor that coincides with the movie. The film is low budget and sometimes included with the purchase of an album. These are hard and fast rules that I just made up, so of course there are probably exceptions. But two fairly recent examples of rapsploitation films are Mac and Devin Go to High School and Gang of Roses. Here's a plot summary of Mac and Devin Go to High School from Voodoo.com. Snoop Dogg's character, Mac, is a 15-year senior whose weed obsession keeps him from graduating until he meets a hot new substitute teacher who won't put out until he gets out of high school. Fate causes Mac and Devin's worlds to collide, resulting in the ultimate stoner comedy. They forgot to mention that Devin is played by Wiz Khalifa. Yep, that Wiz Khalifa. And it goes without saying that Snoop and Wiz used this opportunity to make a collab album that served as the film's soundtrack. The lead single even got a Grammy nom for Best Rap Song of the Year. Now, while Mac and Devin has a few cool cameos, it leans heavily on the star power of its leads. Gang of Roses, on the other hand, spreads out that spotlight and serves as a repository for some of Black Entertainment's more notable stars. Here's a plot summary. A gang of gold-hunting outlaws led by Left Eye Watkins, not Lisa Left Eye Lopez, but a character played by Bobby Brown, 
Yep, that Bobby Brown tries to take over a sleepy outpost only to end up awakening a retired lady gang of Old West bank robbers. They come out of retirement to help rescue a sister in peril. The film also stars Lil' Kim, Lisa Ray, and Stacey Dash. The sequel, Gang of Roses 2 Next Generation, whose plot I will not try to summarize, stars Amber Rose, Wiz Khalifa, Tiana Taylor, and Charlie Baltimore. Oh, my bad, I forgot to mention. Gang of Roses is a film franchise. Sadly, that first film didn't spawn a soundtrack, but Lil' Kim did contribute a custom song to the film score. Here's a taste of Kim getting her gunslinger rap on. Ironically enough, there hasn't been a successful rapsploitation musical. You'd think that an art form that hinges upon rhythmic spoken word would be perfectly fit for the format, but no. Prior to Hamilton becoming the face of the hip-hop musical, one of the biggest swing and misses of the genre was Carmen the Hip-Hopera, a film with a name so goofy that not even Beyonce knows Carter could save it. Yep, that Beyonce. I heard so much about you. Hopefully nothing too bad. Mackay Pfeiffer, Beyonce Knowles, Mos Def, Rod Digger, The Brat, Lil Bow Wow, Wyclef Jean, Jermaine Dupree, Carmen. Original hip hopera. Damn, was everybody in that movie? The plot is basically just a Beyonce, Makai, and Yasin love triangle, and the rapping as dialogue is as jarring as a person busting out in song mid conversation always is. Fun fact this soundtrack included Boom by Royce the 5'9 and DJ Premier. And with rap being one of the greatest marketing tools of all time, it was inevitable that we'd end up with white rap exploitation films like Save the Last Dance a movie that finds Julia Stiles doing her own stunts and dancing, I use that term very loosely, as stiff as you can possibly imagine. Rapsploitation also made its way to the small screen, and there are so many great TV shows that had rappers as lead characters or rapped theme songs that it honestly needs to be its own episode. So when you fast forward to today, getting to watch Queen Latifah, Ice-T, and LL Cool J solve crimes on their respective TV shows, or watching Eve and Brandy portray 40-year-old rappers coming out of retirement on the now-canceled TV show Queens, the amount of rap that has found its way into film and TV is truly astounding, especially when you think about the fact that it was once considered a fad. So what does the future of rap exploitation look like? Well, to be quite honest, it seems that things are even more seamless now than ever. The surge of black creators telling their authentic stories and reaching out to the artists that have inspired them along the way has made for some exciting musical moments in film and TV. Issa Rae is probably the best example of this as her new venture radio, which is an artist-forward music licensing agency, and her new show Rap Shit, which is a stellar TV show about two girls from Miami starting their rap career, has created a pipeline through which she is able to nurture new artists and help them shine in a time of content saturation. In summation, it's safe to say that rap exploitation ain't going nowhere. Bars. Furthermore, with the sheer volume of content being made, uh -huh. we'll be unearthing gems for years to come. Oh, that boy spit. spit.
In a minute, we'll get into a mix that contains some of my favorite songs that rap exploitation films have given us. But first, let's talk to Wyatt Cenac about the genre overall and find out who he'd pick to do the soundtrack for his pretend Marvel Cinematic Universe directorial debut. I repeat, pretend directorial debut. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Don. Nice to see you. Which most people don't know, we've never met before. This is our never. first time meeting. It is. We've we've actually been doing everything via Zoom, or there's like a person that holds a curtain between us to make sure yeah. that the not meeting each other thing is respected. Um, yeah, it's been difficult. Well, and even it's in Zoom, difficult. I've always made sure that we don't we don't have our cameras on. So this is the first time actually seeing what you look like, and I. Yeah, it's pretty much what I thought. I hope so, because I've hired paid actors to come through every time we hung out. So, Oh, know, wow. It's, it's kind of like an MF finding, Doom situation. Yeah, it's been <laughs> tough finding people that look like me, but you know. You've got your own version of Doom Posters. <laughs> Don Posters, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of films and speaking of uh, friendship, we've been doing Shouting at the Screen for a pretty long time now. Yes. One thing that always comes up whenever people are talking to me about shouting at the screen and talking to me about like the movies we pick is they're like, oh man, y'all got to let me know when you do juice or above the rim. And for a while I would just kind of be like, that's not black exploitation. I would have to like do the whole explainer for what it is that black exploitation is. But now I just kind of like, maybe one day, who knows? I don't <laughs> But also I feel like those movies... I wonder if in another decade or two, people will look back at that time in movies and think of it almost like, for lack of a better term, like rapsploitation. Yeah, that's a cool uh, name because I was trying to figure out what to call them. Just because I think about like there are so many movies like you could put like state property in there as well. This city right here we call brotherly love. <sighs> Ain't no love here. Beanie Siegel, Jay-Z. Damon Dash, Memphis Bleak, Emilio Sparks. Game ain't over. It's gonna be trouble. State property. You gonna get down or you gonna lay down? Didn't like Silk the Shocker do one? And yeah, like No Limit. Um, I want to say Rockefeller Jay Z had one that was like on VHS. There was a lot of direct to DVD, direct to VHS that was happening when um, DVDs became media and they could just package them in the CD case. We got a lot of films that didn't make it anywhere onto like streaming. They're not up there, from what I can tell. No, but also they were this kind of era of people who had a following as like musicians and then somebody who was willing to put just the bare minimum of capital into making a movie because it was just the thing. I mean, yeah, it was like, all right, we know that we'll have a soundtrack because all these artists are going to do the soundtrack. The movie doesn't have to be great. It's kind of like a really long music video. And yeah, the story is just whatever there's probably a briefcase that has <laughs> money or drugs in it <laughs> <laughs> or money and drugs. It really doesn't matter, but there's a briefcase. Somebody has to get said briefcase somewhere. And then there's a bunch of guys who you've seen in the background of these music videos who are now playing like the gangsters in a movie. Uh, and there's maybe one guy 
in a Steve Harvey suit. <laughs> you don't need you don't need much from the props department. You got the guns, you got the cars, you got the wardrobe. Yeah, you know you got the mini mansions you rented for MTV Cribs. So yeah, you might as well make it a package deal. You know? Yeah, or you got yeah your lawyer's house <laughs> as this as someone is walking through the drug kingpin's home and it's like why are there photos of an old white man and his white wife and white children in you drug kingpin's house and he's like don't worry about it that's uh that's my family they would have to develop the story more for that it would be about it would be about a person that was adopted and like how they were removed from the family setting and it led them to a life of crime yeah speaking of rap exploitation films and speaking of that genre like do you have any favorite soundtracks from those films yeah well, I feel like the soundtrack was not just an event, but almost like a commercial for the movie in a lot of ways. And like Menace to Society, like that album was huge. I think about Above the Rim, that album was huge. I think about the New Jersey Drive soundtrack. Parts one and two, yeah. Yeah, but I think specifically about like the Outcast song, Benz or Beamer, was such a big song. And I remember that soundtrack... And I don't even know if I saw the movie. (laughs) I've maybe to this day seen bits and pieces of the movie. But if you were to ask me who's in the movie, what's the plot of the movie, I would just be like, Benz or Beamer? (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much essentially the plot. The plot is, are we going to steal a Benz or steal a Beamer? That's the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I feel like getting the bands is out of the question. The world is yelling hooty hoo, but in my pockets, nothing but gum and lint to some the shit up and broke. Nothing but hope so big boy, tell them what you told. I'm traveling up to Jersey with folk, he's off in my trunk. And thinking of starting the ways to get that motherfucker caught. Cause it's like this. But yeah, like, cause I remember when I remember that song and I remember hearing the song and loving the song and being like, oh, Outkast has a new album and looking like, no, there's new out, no new Outkast project. And just being confused about his origins for like about a month until I was like, oh, okay, it's from a soundtrack. But also since there were two parts to the soundtrack, I remember being like, what is this movie? That's like, has this colossal soundtrack budget. Well, it's a funny thing. Cause you think about it now and I think about, what type of movie gets like that kind of musical treatment? And I think about Black Panther with the Kendrick Lamar produced album, or I think about the Disney Lion King movie where Beyonce got to make her own visual album connected with that movie. And in a weird way, I feel like this was the precursor to that. (laughs) And New Jersey Drive was supposed to be like the Black Panther of its time (laughs) or the Lion King of its time, which weird that like the Lion King is like a black movie when it's really about like computer lions. But whatever. Are there any current movies that you feel like could use a proper hip hop soundtrack? And it doesn't doesn't have to be Hmm. like a, a black cinema thing. I feel like. Everything Everywhere All at Once was maybe the last movie I saw in a theater. And as much as I loved that movie and as great as I think that movie is, in the old school way of you have a movie and you have a soundtrack to go with it, I don't know what the soundtrack for that movie would be or if there's a soundtrack for that movie. Exactly. Um, So I feel like that's one that probably could like use 
a great song. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'm writing a rhyme actually right now about that movie based on this show. I'm doing it in another in a parallel universe, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about it happening during the show, but just know that it's being worked on. Yeah. Getting into another set of questions. Um, when I think about filmmakers and their filmographies, like directors like F. Gary Gray, who come who came from shooting music videos to directing full-on feature-length films, he's worked on some movies with really classic era soundtracks like Friday, Straight Outta Compton, Set It Off. Even Men in Black had a stellar soundtrack. It made me wonder more about Spike Lee. Spike Lee and Tyler Perry. Because Spike Lee has had, his filmography is incredible. He's had a a run of movies. And he's had musical moments like Fight the Power and Do the Right Thing. He's had Crooklyn Dodgers from Crooklyn. He's had Prince record whole albums. He's had Stevie record albums. But he's never really had a great soundtrack. In my opinion, he's never really had a great soundtrack. Tyler Perry has access to, like, he has Janet and Jill Scott acting in movies together. Never had a great soundtrack. <laughs> the question I'm trying to ask here is, if you had to pick between a Tyler Perry soundtrack and a Spike Lee soundtrack, which one would you want to hear? I mean, I think I would want to hear a uh, Spike Lee soundtrack. Because <laughs> I don't know if Tyler Perry is even thinking in that way. And to your point, I mean, yeah, he's had Janet Jackson and Jill Scott in movies. And I wonder if part of not having them do any music in those movies is because he doesn't want to pay them to make music. I mean, mm. this is a guy who famously is known for, you know, the wig budget on his movies. <laughs> is uh, It leaves a lot to be desired. He's a guy who, with his TV shows, when his writers tried to unionize, he was just like, fuck it, I'll write it all myself. So in that way, if you're somebody who's constantly trying to have like a high volume of content at the lowest price point possible, then you may not be as interested in like (laughs) music, especially when you have an audience base that you've built that is just coming for your name. He's the name that people are coming to see. And I think with Spike Lee, there are people who are going to see a Spike Lee movie because his name is on it too. But I also think with him, the music that he's thinking about for movies is more about the score. Mm -hmm. It's about usually getting these very lush jazz scores from, you know, well-known jazz musicians who will, who will come in and score the film. And in that way, yeah, the soundtrack may not be as big. And I also wonder how much of that is, you know, for somebody like Spike Lee, more than somebody like Tyler Perry, Spike Lee is still making films in a studio system where, you know, you think about all those soundtracks and a Warner Brothers movie, those soundtracks tend to be Warner Brothers artists and... You know, and so there is that sort of a thing that's happening, too, where, yeah, we have this roster of artists and this is an opportunity to both create an, a musical ad for your movie and elevate this artist in this way or bring them to a new audience of people. And that's a good point, because that's something I was going to get at, is that a lot of those soundtracks were breaking grounds for new artists because, like you were saying, they're working within a system like a, a, a Warner Brothers system or whatever. And it's like you have Warner Brothers film division and music division. And music is like, hey, we got this new kid. We don't know what to do with him, but 
we think we got a hit. Let's put him on the soundtrack. You might not necessarily be the feature, but you're on the soundtrack. And like, you know, that did something for you. It was almost like the old school version of being playlisted in a sense. Yeah. And a big part of that and kind of going back to the Spike Lee of it all. I don't know how much those studios believed in Spike Lee's movies. They may not be putting that same energy that they would put into a Steven Spielberg movie where they're like, okay, well, we know this movie is going to be a summer blockbuster. With a Spike Lee movie, they may say, well, we're not expecting huge financial success on this movie in the way that we would a Steven Spielberg movie. So we're not going to put as much into the marketing. And in many ways, the music becomes the marketing, both for the movie and, like you said, for a lot of artists that can get launched off of that. And, you know, that kind of reminds me of Biggie being on like the House Party uh, was it House Party 3 soundtrack? It was the Ed Lover and Dr. Dre movie. Who's the man? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. With that question, I, I have to admit there was a right and wrong answer. <laughs> you, had, you had the right answer. Um, Spike has a lot of major musical moments that are accompanied with his movies. Just the body of work and the music in itself. Like He has a lot of cool stuff. And he's worked with a lot of really cool artists. And, you know, I just I, I want his I want his soundtrack discography to get more love i feel like there's a weird thing at least with big budget movies where they rely so much on older music Mm, yeah i think about the guardians of the galaxy and thor all rely heavily on the sort of back catalog of like 80s rock or there was that movie cruella yeah and that was just so much music from the 60s and 70s where it feels like can the movie soundtrack compete today when so many movie soundtracks are just like a time life greatest hits of a decade (laughs) album just repackaged like oh okay we're making a new marvel movie this soundtrack seems track listing wise a lot like jack jams too but uh we're not gonna say anything but we think you just repackaged Jock Jams too. You love Jock Jams Volume 1. Now, ESPN and Tommy Boy Music give you Jock Jams Volume 2. Available in record stores everywhere. Funny enough, there was a Marvel film. I, I forget which one it was. I think it was um, Shang-Chi. The whole movie was kind of the same thing that you were saying, just the repackaged jock jam kind of like oldies at the very end of the movie during the credit scene there's this amazing new anderson pock song and i'm just like what if you're sitting there long enough for the credits waiting for the post credits you get this wonderful anderson pock song and i just i wish there were more musical moments in films that leaned into like breaking new artists or making new memories making new musical memories if you will one director that i, I would honestly be interested in hearing a soundtrack from is jordan peele the way he used i got five on it the way he used Say My Name for Candyman. He he uses music with film in interesting ways, but you know, there's no soundtrack there in general for most of his films. Well, and just to be clear though, but Candyman, he didn't direct, he just produced right, that right, one. Right, right, right. Another yeah. guy who I would be interested in hearing a soundtrack from is you. I know you personally, and I know your ear for music is remarkable or incredible. So, you know, like, let's say, a.k.a. Wyatt Cenac, that was on topic. Okay. The, the short series that you did. Sure. Let's say that becomes part yep. of the Marvel Universe. You're now a Marvel <laughs> superhero. Who's doing your soundtrack? I feel like I'd have to let Jean Grey have first crack at it since she did the score to begin with. I thought she did a really great job with the score and probably would do a fun job curating a, a soundtrack for that. 
if I was making a movie, like a big budget Hollywood movie, hmm, who would I get if I was making like the last Thor movie? Are you open to suggestions? I got a suggestion. Sure. I don't know if Buster Rhymes could handle the whole thing, but I think like a song by Buster Rhymes would have to be in that in that soundtrack. I feel like I could also see somebody like Ghostface mm. in a Thor movie. Yeah. I know that he did something for Iron Man, but I feel like you want somebody who's got like a lot of power and energy, like somebody like Sean Price or even even because of that Thor, like like I think about even like Megan Thee Stallion, who has like force behind what she's doing. Like, yeah, their voices kind of hit like hammers in a way. Those are great picks. Well, you're three for three with the questions. Man. I mean, you've already established that this is like Outback Steakhouse. There's no rules, just right. So before we get out of here, I have one more question that was kind of like a little bit off topic, but, you know, it's, it still fits into the discussion. It better. Um, In the 90s, there was a bunch of kind of like cartoons with rapped theme songs. Okay. Hammer Man, Kid and Play. Do you remember any of those, any of those joints? Like, or like, not necessarily even cartoons, but just your favorite sitcoms with rap theme songs that aren't Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the go-to. That's definitely in the Mount Rushmore yeah. of rap theme songs. Sadly, I'm not going to the 90s. What I like as we're talking about this, the thing I'm immediately going to is my favorite rap TV show theme song, which was the woodworking reality competition show <laughs> Framework. Uh was uh Common did the theme song for and was also a judge on this woodworking reality competition show that I believe only got one season. That's my go-to, but now uh, I'm, I, I'll think of 90s things while I, I let you respond to Common's Framework theme song. That's it. That's it. You don't need to fuck the 90s. You got that. That's the- <laughs> He's talking about sawing and finishing and nailing and like oh, man. I- <laughs> varnishing and all these things. That like I never would have thought I'd heard I would hear common, uh, you know, rapping about butt joints. But here we are. <laughs> I never thought I would hear the day that Common would somehow find a way to use power sander in a song. <laughs> the rapper in me is trying to think like, what would I rhyme with power sander? I mean, I feel like with power sander, you could probably do something about like, you can't stand her. Oh, well, let's go. You can't stand her. Her voice is like a power sander or something i don't know look i don't i don't write the rhymes i just produce the music with my alias obvious gold because i don't make platinum hits but they are obviously gold you know i'm gonna use this audio clip and play a little bit of that beat by all means it's (laughs) i gotta get this in the streets it's sitting on soundcloud waiting for these soundcloud rappers all these soundcloud kids it's right there for you obvious gold has beats or I should say beat for you. <laughs> what? It's one and done, though. That, I, I, that's what I like about your career as a musician. You made one thing. You were like, this 
this is it, baby. Like, you know how Jay-Z was like, Reasonable Doubt was supposed to be his only album, but he went on to record more albums? Yeah. You keep it realer than Jay-Z for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I, w- I stepped up to the plate. I hit a home run. I was like, this is my first at bat? It's not going to get better than this. You know what they say, go out on top. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Wyatt, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me. Y'all heard the man. We got to get this joint out in the streets. Let's go. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Obvious Gold, a.k.a. Wyatt Sinek. And listen, I can't just let some SoundCloud kid get first dibs. Nah. So I think I should bust a rhyme. Right? Right. Right. We had a good time, didn't we? That was fun. Another episode and there's more to come. It's the halfway mark if you need to pause. Next up, a fresh mix of jam for y'all. Something that you may have never heard before with some classics that were in movie scores. Curated carefully by yours truly. So sit back, relax, and let's get groovy. No one can hear you. The Almanac of Rap is written and produced by me. I also did the theme music. But there's some additional music in the episode provided by Von P. The show is executive produced by Syeda Blunt and Asia Palmer, with mix engineering and sound design by Dana Wax. The artwork was designed by Alan Cole. And shout out to the whole team over at Sonos Radio for their support. You can head over to mixcloud.com backslash Sonos to hear the archive shows and be sure to check out the Sonos Radio IG account for other Sonos programming. And once again, a big thank you to our guest Wyatt Sinak for not only stopping by, but also reminding me about Common's Furniture Competition show Framework. And actually, we've got a challenge for you to complete before the next episode drops. Take it away, Common. The road to $100,000 starts right now. We are testing your overall ability. You must be able to create unique pieces that express your vision and build them flawlessly. Your first build will be taking something old and remaking it into something new. You will have 24 hours to build whatever piece of furniture you think demonstrates your overall ability using materials from broken down Boats. Make sure you bring your A game, and I'll see you next time on the Almanac of Rap. 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 Rap.